this is the You Could Be a Therapist podcast. I'm Sophie Kent. Today we have my friend Lena joining us to share her counselor journey. This means that we will get to hear Lena share her experience of how she entered the counseling profession and where she is now. Lena and I met in our counseling graduate program in 2019 and became fast friends. You were actually one of my first friends in Virginia, Lena. Um, I still remember that big potluck where I first spent time with you and a few other girls in our cohort. Um, So many happy memories of that time. And I'm really thankful. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so thankful to have you here today. Oh, I'm so am I. I mean, I think it's just amazing that we get to first catch up, but also um, it's an honor and privilege to to be sitting here today talking a little bit more about our journeys because it's definitely been quite the journey. <laughs> yeah. And before we dive into how you entered the profession and like could go deep with that, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and share a little bit about where you are now and who you get to work with. Absolutely. So I'm Lena Ramirez. I am originally from Colombia, South America, and I I've had the privilege of living in the States um, a couple of different times, but um, back in 2019, I moved to the U.S. again to start my master's where I met you. Um, Yeah. And I started doing my master's um, and fast forward to where I'm at today. I am currently a resident in counseling in the state of Virginia, and I work with a college campus um, counseling facility And I also do a little bit of work at a private practice. My main role or a lot of what I mostly see nowadays as a resident in counseling are going through any sort of concerns regarding body image, um, disordered eating, and eating disorders. Um, I have a huge, huge passion with just walking alongside individuals who are struggling with full-blown eating disorders, but also just anybody who has struggled with their body image in any sort of way. Mm, That's so awesome and so exciting for me because I work in a totally different specialty, which is OCD and anxiety. So I feel like I just have so much to learn from you and I'm really excited to hear about how you kind of got here throughout life. Absolutely. I would would love to tell you a little bit more of that story because I would have never imagined I would be ending ending working with this population. (laughs) Yeah. So we can go ahead and just get right into it. I think my first question would be, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you would grow up? Okay. So this is funny. So for as long as I can remember, I can think about playing with my friends, thinking that I wanted to become a teacher. So I remember growing up and then I would love kind of the whiteboards and I would always be the teacher and I would have my friends uh, play as the students and I loved giving like gold stars to everybody and like grading their papers. Um, But that was my first, like growing up, that's what I thought I wanted to become. Um, I never thought about becoming a counselor or a therapist. (laughs) That is so cute. I can really see... um... (laughs) You giving out gold stars to your friends and grading their little papers. Wow. Yeah. Um, How did that play out as you got older, this dream of being a teacher? Yeah, I think it right around probably when I was turning, when I went into my teen years, um, 
I think that definitely changed. Um, Mm. I went through a period of time where I was like, no, that's definitely not for me. Um, Teaching is great. Um, Just an input for any teachers that might at any point listen to this. You guys are amazing. Um, You guys have all the patience that I would never have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm so thankful for for all my teachers and professors, um, especially during the program and all. Then it switched into during my teenage years. um, I wanted to go into business. Um, Mm. My dad... I grew up um, watching my dad work for just different multinational companies. Um, And he was into uh, like in the business world, corporate world. Um, And I thought about going and studying, like doing my undergrad in business, particularly economics, like just really Mm. interested me. Um, I think the social aspect of it was what really caught my eye, but that completely changed. I also thought about, going into um, medicine, actually. Mm. I I had a small period of time where I wanted to become a doctor. And I think, again, what was drawing me towards that was the people aspect, the relational aspect. I wanted um, to do something that would would require me to, to be with people, but also have that helping aspect in a certain way. I struggled to find that a little bit. So Mm -hmm. during my undergrad, um, I had signed up for most of my courses. um, And most of them were focused on my major being just business. Um, And I remember my second semester just saying, there is no way like that's, that's not what I want to do. And a friend of mine had talked to me a little bit about the world of um, mental health, Um, And just really at that point, knowing a little bit more about our brain and the way that it functions and the way that our behavior has to do with the things Mm -hmm. that we've kind of gone through in the past. So I think that was the tiny little seed that started being planted. But I would have, I never, I had never thought about um, going into an undergrad in psychology or anything like that before. Hmm. Wow. It's so interesting that before you got into psychology and liked that, you mentioned that you're really interested in business, economics, perhaps being a doctor. And yeah. on the surface, those things all seem pretty different. But when you talk about the reason why you were interested in those different professions, it always came back to wanting to connect with people. And it sounds right. like wanting to help people too. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I think I never really imagined how important it was for me for my job to have an impact on somebody else Mm -hmm. but not in like a big aspect but more on like the relational one-on-one aspect and I think I started seeing that 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 was something that motivated me to keep going um, and to try to find out whether this was actually something that I wanted to make a career out of. Yeah, and that's such a good green flag, right? That Mm -hmm. when you started your psychology courses, you felt really good there, probably felt like competent, you found what you were looking for, would you say? Yes, definitely. It was as if like something had clicked. It it made sense and I could I could see myself learning more about it. I think during my undergrad I still couldn't really picture myself um, sitting with others. I also think there was a big difference just culturally in the way that our professions kind of work back home. So um, just a little bit of context. I did mm-hmm. my undergrad back home in Colombia. 
and our the way our undergrad works is you're declaring your profession rather than your major um so you you're basically saying I'm going to become a psychologist from when you start versus these are just a couple of courses that declare your major and then you finish your undergrad and then decide what you want to do with that Hmm. Um, I think for us that professional identity is very much ingrained since the very beginning so I think it was a little bit challenging at that point for me to see myself sitting across somebody and being in just leading therapy with them but knowing that it intrigued me, kept me going. How how did you deal with those challenges of not really knowing how exactly you could picture yourself in the room? Um, that's a great question. I think what was really important for me was there were key professors along the way in my undergrad who I reached out to and really just trying to get their own story. I think back then it felt for like I felt like everybody knew exactly what they were going to go into so if they wanted to go more human resources side or if they wanted to think about like having their own practice one day um, and that wasn't so clear for me to be Mm -hmm. honest Um, and so I think speaking to these professors who really became mentors of mine later on really helped me get the sense that there wasn't one right or wrong path but it was just part of a journey of this is just your undergrad and you get to walk alongside knowing that you may not feel fully competent right now or even have a clear idea of where you're going, but at the very least, you know that this is what you want to know more of. I remember one professor in particular, she kept on motivating me to just stay in the moment, to think about the right now so she would ask me like are you enjoying your courses are you do you feel like you connect with what is being taught and and she really just pushed me and empowered me to know that it was okay for the time being to not have that clear idea because it was only my undergrad at that point mm-hmm. I feel like this part of your story is such a beautiful example of remaining open and allowing doubt to be there yeah because as humans, like we we have doubt, it it happens, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're doing the wrong thing or we're in the wrong profession. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you had people in your life who were really able to help you allow that doubt to be there while still pursuing something you knew that you were interested in. Yes, yeah, and I think that's that's such a natural tendency, like like you say, like a human tendency to not want to doubt. Um, to want to have it all figured out from the very beginning. I think a lot of my um, classmates at the time being and my really close, like my closest friends from my undergrad, for some reason, I felt like they didn't really struggle as much as as I did with having to have it all together. Like, I think that's (laughs) one of my um, biggest personality traits as well. Like, I want to know what I'm getting myself into and I want to have it all Mm -hmm. planned out like years ahead and which is also part of how we end up in like cycles and and loops of anxiety. But that's a Mm -hmm. whole nother topic uh, that we can get into. But I think being able to be open about those struggles with my classmates and finding that they were sometimes thinking the same thing, um, they were just taking a completely different approach to it also really helped. 
as you continued in this journey of pursuing counseling, how did that doubt shift or change as you continued to move closer to your goal of becoming a counselor? I think definitely when I graduated from my undergrad, it was very clear for me that I wanted to go into um, furthering my education, but that at the moment, I wasn't really sure how that was going to play out. I think when I graduated from my undergrad, I started, I worked in human resources for a little while, and then I went on to work for a nonprofit organization um, that worked with victims of domestic violence, um, particularly Mm -hmm. women, and all of those different options really, I mean, just job opportunities really um, helped me kind of shape the idea of, no, this is actually something that I want to go into. Um, I didn't like human resources at all. It was too impersonal for me. I mean, it was relational, but I wanted to work with one-on-one therapy, and that just wasn't, that's completely different. So my, the job opportunities that I had just kind of either led me to realizing, no, that's not the way that I want to go, or yes, that's the one way I want to go. So I can sit with hard things. I can sit with other people while they go through hard things. And I want to know more about how to do that. And that was the particular case of what I worked with um, the nonprofit. So I would mm-hmm. hear a lot of stories of women who had gone through different types of abuse, different types of domestic violence situations. And I just felt like I really connected with that and I wanted to do more. Um, my role at that point was very much just logistical and non-counseling related. And I think that was the biggest leap or the biggest kind of aha moment that led me to want to take the leap towards, okay, I really want to pursue a master's in counseling. Mm. Um, Cause I knew that what my undergrad had given me wasn't enough and that I wanted to be able to help with more tools and more skills. So that's kind of when I decided to start seeking um, different programs here in the U.S. I had already lived in the U.S. in the past, and and I'd always wanted to kind of get my master's and further education here. So I started looking at different programs and really just being open to the idea of what would happen if. And that came with a lot of insecurities. That came with a lot of hurdles to jump. Um, not only related to finding the right program for me, but also this idea of, man, for me, it would mean leaving my home country. It would mean leaving my family. It would mean going back to a country that had felt like home and been home for me for a little while, Mm -hmm. but that I hadn't been to in a really long time. Um, Yeah. When you're not listening to new episodes of You Could Be a Therapist, stay connected with us at Potential Therapist on Instagram for bite-sized videos and other fun content. Come say hi. I'd love to know you're listening. If you're enjoying the episode, please leave a review. Let's return to what we're talking about today. Mm, You risked a lot to come to your (laughs) master's here. You risked a lot and it seems like taking that time off in between, you know, your undergrad and then pursuing your master's, that time off to work in organizations, to work with people who are struggling, but in a different role, really pushed you back to counseling and maybe empowered you to take that risk that that was really big, really big change for you. Yeah, I think looking back at it, 
I don't think that I would have been able to jump right into my master's program before, um, like right after my undergrad. I think it was, it was, I really needed to see that I couldn't keep on doing the things that I thought that I wanted to do mm. um, without my master's. Um, but also just to get a fresh breath of air of, okay, you just went through, in, a, in my case, five years of undergrad. That's kind of how long our undergrad are, is back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I needed a little bit of, no, I want to be able to work for some time and, and allow my brain and mind to get curious again rather than being saturated. Mm, I love that, giving yourself space to become curious again. I really mm-hmm. like that. And how long was that time in between undergrad and master's? Because a lot of people um, feel like they need to go straight through and that they can't go back to school. But most people, that's not their journey. So I, I just want to highlight that you did take some time. And, and how, how long was that time? Yeah, um, I think I want to say it was two to three years. Yeah, right around about three years, closer to three, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I think that that's a really good point that you you make right there. And I think it's there is this idea of you need to know exactly what you're going to do, and you need to jump from your undergrad to your master's, and that that there's a right or wrong way to do it. But I don't think again, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. There's just a right way or a way that feels and fits your story better. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have been my. My, my choice really um but I know for some people it's if, if you already know where you you want to be if you feel like you know exactly what you want to jump into then by all means go ahead and do it I think that's such a, a huge blessing to know that mm-hmm. take me to the moment when you had moved to the states to okay. start the program and you know you were in your first couple classes was there a moment that you felt like yes, this was worth it. This is why I'm here. Oh, I think, I think there were multiple moments. Like I think throughout our program took what, maybe two years and a half, almost three. Mm -hmm. And we were talking a little bit about kind of the different mental health professions and the difference in professional identities between a counselor and a psychologist and a psychiatrist um, and the way that kind of the professor was explaining what becoming a counselor would be uh, just fascinated me. Um, This idea of becoming, not just it's a label that you get when you graduate or it's what your diploma says, but for me, the idea of becoming a counselor was exactly what I felt applied the most for Mm -hmm. me being in that moment. Like it just relieved a whole lot of stress of like, no, you're just starting. Yes, this is your first level course and it's going to be a journey and you are not going to be the same person that you started being like once you graduate. Um, But it gave me the opportunity of, I don't know if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, that was so beautiful. I'm like emotional. I'm about to tear up. <laughs> it's just so good. Like it's so true. 
And that's really another reason why I wanted to start this podcast was to illuminate that part of being a counselor. It's not that counselors are untouched by life struggles or have it Mm. all together, but going through the process of becoming. I love that you said that there's a starting point. Like I'm only at the start Mm. and I, I only get to move closer and closer towards, you know, the best version of myself to become a counselor. And I, I too was so changed by the program in a great way. And we're faced with our own insecurities, with our own wounds that we have that maybe we haven't shared and facing all of that, working through it, processing it, allowing it to be there, making space for those more vulnerable parts of ourselves is what becoming a counselor is all about. And you just said that so beautifully. Yeah. And I think you know, there's all sorts of programs and each program has different kind of focuses. And, but I think any, most programs, most counseling programs have the emphasis of really allowing you to walk through, either allowing you or pushing you to walk mm-hmm. through the uncomfortableness of being faced with the realization of we are all human. And Mm -hmm. we make mistakes and we have our story. And I think one of the phrases that has stood with me through the whole program and even just as I now walk in part of my profession as a resident in counseling is it's really hard to take others, to take clients where we haven't taken ourselves. Mm. Um, And we don't have to have gone through everything that they've gone through our story can look different but in that process of becoming a counselor we for me at least it was a requirement to come to terms with those messy parts and I'm air quoting right now Mm -hmm. um, messy parts of my story and owning up to my story but also choosing to rewrite it Mm, wow just so good (laughs) working with eating disorders at all I think I ran away from that since the first moment that I started my psychology undergrad because it was part of my own story as well so for Mm. 10 plus years during my adolescent and young 20s um, I struggled with different eating disorders um, myself and part of my journey through the grad program was recognizing that I had gone through that, recognizing that there were areas that still needed to be healed, um, but also recognizing that there was an interest in me to work with others who might currently still be struggling with that. Um, And that it wasn't, that it didn't disqualify me from being able to work with that population because I think that was one of the main reasons why I would run away like Mm. whenever somebody talked about it in my mind because at the moment I was struggling with it like in my undergrad the fact that I had gone through it automatically disqualified me to work with that population and I think a big chunk of that journey was finding mentors who worked with those specific populations who themselves had stories of their own and finding value and meaning in having gone through it myself. So Mm. seeing the positive things while also asking and going to them 
in, in basically to, to identify, you know, what, what are some of the areas that still need to be healed and how can I attend to those in order to serve the population that I want to serve um, mm. and work with in the future. Um, in fact, I, I remember when I started my master's program, I really wanted to just go back home to Colombia, And I had this idea of working with army veterans and, and populations of individuals who had gone through um, just traumatic experiences because of the war, uh, civil war that has been ongoing and had been ongoing in Colombia at that time. Um, and every course that I did and every most of the assignments that I did were focused on PTSD and PTSD growth and a lot of trauma focused um, interventions. And halfway through the program, for me in particular, just I started feeling a calling to shifting towards more disordered eating and body image work and what that meant. And I fell in love with it and I just haven't been able to let go of it ever since. I think for me, a big part was as a believer, I started sensing that God was kind of leading me into that, that, that he yeah. wanted to help me rewrite my story. Um, but also equipping me to use it for his good. And so I started reaching out to um, practicum and internship sites that specifically um, worked with disordered eating, getting trained by professionals who were licensed and certified by the different um, accreditation um, organizations. And yeah. That's a little bit of how I ended up working um, with what I work in now. I, I like to say I stumbled upon it. I mm -hmm. never really thought that I would end up being this passionate and interested in working with eating disorders and disordered eating. But the other side to that coin is eating disorders and disordered eating found me before <laughs> I even had any idea of what it was. Mm -hmm. mm, I think the most powerful part of hearing that part of your story is that you had this this inner voice, this critical voice that made you feel at least a little bit like you were disqualified yeah. because you had struggled with this. Yeah. And yet you were able to use that to push you to heal mm. instead of push you into shame which I think a lot of people can struggle with if they are considering becoming counselors, mm -hmm. having that, that critical voice that says, well, you struggle, so you can't help other people. Right. And some people get stuck in that and, and the shame spiral. And it's so powerful to hear that in that moment when you could have chosen to let that voice dictate what you could do, instead your faith propelled you to move into mm -hmm. healing and empowerment to help others. Yeah. And, and again, if, if, if somebody were to ask me, like, would you have been able to do this by yourself? No, there is no way. Like, mm. for me, it was part of just finding my purpose, finding my mission, finding what I really enjoyed and what I felt like what, what objectively those around me and supervisors and professors were supportive in showing me that no like you you are good at this and 
also being aware of what I wasn't good at, what mm. might have been too much for me. Now that I think about it, now that I, I'm more attuned with what my strengths and areas of growth are and what are some of the populations that I feel like are very difficult for me to work with. I think that idea of the original population and the topics that I wanted to work with in the past um, would have been really hard for me and may have not aligned with where my actual strengths were. I had a very idealized version of what I could do um, and how it would look if I were to go back and become counselor who specialized in X or Y, but God had other plans. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lena, for being here and sharing your story so openly and so vulnerably. It's really really special to get to talk to you especially because we you know we're in the same program together and yeah. <laughs> um yeah just to to know that we were friends and yet you were still going through so much that I didn't know and mm -hmm. in the same way I was being shaped into the counselor that I am like you were going through your own journey and being shaped into the counselor that you are and it's just really really special to get to hear about it so thank you same no thank you for listening and this has been such a huge privilege to do it and I'm so thankful for you and for the work you do um, and I'm sure your journey has been filled with all sorts of things but I think this is such a neat initiative um, that you're putting out for um, future counselors and, and people who are starting to dabble on the idea of becoming a counselor. I think just um, a small kind of clarification that I do want to make is in my case what I had struggled with and what what I needed to kind of work through ended up being where I now special what I specialize in what I would want to get specialized in mm -hmm. but it doesn't always have to be and I think it's also okay in that journey of becoming a counselor to identify that Maybe the things that we've gone through are particularly the areas where um, we don't feel like we can walk with others. And that is perfectly fine as well. I think that is all that also comes from allowing ourselves to be human and allowing ourselves to know that just because we feel that certain areas or parts of somebody else's story is, are really hard for us to sit with doesn't mean that we're not competent capable of being great counselors yes thank you for that that's a wrap on this episode of you could be a therapist thanks for listening make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode until next time Thank you.